Hello, that Universal Podcast listeners. This is Nick, and you're going to hear a lot of my voice coming up because I was a guest on a podcast called Tangent City, where I was asked to become a guest and talk about Jurassic World Dominion, the latest and final part of the Jurassic Park slash world saga of films. The reason for me putting this podcast on this feed is, uh, one, to give you some additional content while we wait to record a new episode, but also because uh, the guys at Tangent City, I love their work, uh, Lewis and Kat, who also do a Disney podcast called uh, Diz Down Under, uh, have been doing this podcast for quite a while. I really enjoy it. It's something that fits very much in my wheelhouse. Um, you know, a little bit like a last branch in Ripley, which if you don't listen to that, go and find that in your podcast app of choice, where, uh, you know, you can talk about any any kind of number of things. But because this episode was specifically uh, discussing Jurassic World Dominion, and obviously it's a universal property, um, you know, I was delighted to be asked on, um, and I just had a great time. And so, I wanted you guys to hear the episode. I thought you might enjoy it as well. And if you do, please go and t- check out Tangent City. Um, they cover everything from films to uh, TV shows to all kinds of random stuff. And as Tangent City says in its title, they do go off on tangents. So you can understand why I enjoy it so much. Anyway, I wanted to let you know why the episode was appearing here. That's the reason why. I really hope you enjoy listening to it. I really enjoyed appearing on it. I had a great time. And, uh, you know, if you do, please go and check out the rest of their back catalogue because there are some corkers in there. Um, We will be back with another Universal show soon. Uh, I've also asked if people want to do one for Stranger Things season four. Now, I appreciate Stranger Things isn't a universal property, but it obviously um, has had an impact on Halloween Horror Nights uh, events over the years, so therefore I think it fits. Uh, And if not, it'll just be a bonus episode, so don't worry about it. Um, But there you go. I hope you have a lovely July 4th weekend for those celebrating, and see you soon. Enjoy the episode. The next train to Tangent City departs in one minute. This is an unlimited service that may stop at reviews, spoilers, and swearing. Passengers traveling with young or conservative travel companions are reminded to read the show description before embarking on any journey to Tangent City. We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture, and pay our respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. Like I'm surprised we're recording. This podcast can be yeah. Anything on this podcast can be used against me. <laughs> That's completely fine. Uh, I mean, look, Craig's not on here, so there's there can't be anything too controversial that's going to be said. <laughs> oh, I but, don't know. Uh, Lewis is still you know, here. Can't be used. <laughs>
Okay, yeah, good, good, good point. <laughs> yeah. Although, I, I think generally speaking with Tangent City, we don't do an intro at the top of the show. We just do the, the conversation mm. thing and then eventually we'll yeah. introduce the show. But I think maybe uh, because having uh, Nick as a special guest this week, we should actually introduce people because uh, then people know who, who's actually talking. Because uh, I, I, You know, I think, I think it'd be funnier if you, if you don't and you just, they're just like, Rachel sounds different this week. <laughs> <laughs> she had the COVID. Just she did, had this really bad effect. <laughs> I did like we were watching a comedian the other day and she was saying, um, in case you haven't worked out, I'm trans. And she said, funny thing, <laughs> I wasn't trans until after I had the vaccine. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> I thought it was one of the best lines ever because it's just like, yeah, I'm sure there's a, um, in the Venn diagram of idiots, like yeah. there must be a crossover of, um, anti trans people yeah. and anti vaxxers somewhere. <laughs> so it was just beautiful. Oh, I imagine, I imagine that diagram must be quite, uh, yeah, quite small. <laughs> yeah. Or large. Yeah, well, I mean. yeah, I think the likelihood of the, yeah, the, the smush over effect must be pretty big for that, those two groups. Well, uh, since yeah, since yeah, we got Nick on, it. since we got Nick on the show, like mm. uh, one thing we uh, we should really do is uh, is talk about what everyone's drinking, which is going to be very quick because because uh, like we, we're drinking the same thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, for those of you uh, who've never actually uh, listened to the uh, podcast and After Dark Podcast Network, I think you you all should because they're fantastic. Except it's not called the After Dark Podcast Network anymore. It is still the After Dark Podcast Network, is yeah. it? Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. It's a show, isn't it? It's just so- After Dark. Where I've where I've um, where I've muddied the waters is we created this this podcast network called the After Dark uh, Podcast Network. Um, but what we and it was very good to get Cat and Lewis to record our stings for that because um, what we've what we've kind of stressed is that there are some shows that we make on that and there are other shows that we are affiliated to. So Cat and Lewis recorded the sting for uh, the production arm. Um, of the shows that we do, ah. uh, but it is still part of the After Dark Podcast Network. Well, um, I feel like I learned something today. Yeah, still part of <laughs> <laughs> Well, every day's every day's a school day, so yeah. So, so if you're listening to uh, that Disney podcast or that Universal podcast uh, at the beginning of their show, they always talk about what everyone is drinking. Uh, and so I, I figured that uh, we uh, would have you know a, a, a drink to to talk about, and we are uh, drinking a, a Pinot Gris. Which mm. you, you bought this one? Which one was that? The uh, what's the brand of it? I You've have forgotten? no idea. Right. So, oh, is that the small and small? Small and small. Yeah, which yeah. actually comes from Ooh. the valley where my parents lived, where I was probably conceived. I don't know. What I wasn't a born thought, there. Cat? I know. What it's a just, thought. Well, because I wasn't like <laughs> I wasn't the born there. Yeah. <laughs> Mum and Dad got drunk, and that's how little cats happen. Oh, beautiful! It's beautiful. <laughs> but it's um, it's one of those things where I'm just like, oh, if I see an Tree Valley wine, I'll generally buy it because you know, you go, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, this one's not bad. Little Pinagree, twenty twenty one. In in the UK, like when you think of Australian wines, yeah. what do you think of? I'll be I'll be completely honest. I don't think of Australian wines because I. So um, my sorry <laughs> my wine because uh, I get told off if I don't say it in that ridiculous way that I stole from Borat. Um, she doesn't drink wine. 
Um, she will have the occasional glass. Of, it's got plenty of lemonade in it. Right. So as a general <laughs> rule, we don't have wine. Yeah, I know, I know. So as a general rule, we don't really have wine uh, often at all. I like red wine, though. Mm-hmm. So occasionally I will just buy a bottle and just make sure it's drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so actually, like, I, I'm, I'm an absolute wine like novice. Uh, I don't because I don't drink that much, so I don't really consider where it's come from. But I know Australia, you know, has a bit of history of wine, mm. but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Because I think, like, whenever we've seen uh, Australian wine over in uh, in the UK, oh, it's either Wolfblass or that is it Yellowtail. The one Yellow with the tail. kangaroo on it? Yeah. And it's like, it's the kind of stuff that you buy in the shops here, like if you're really desperate and you don't have, <laughs> you don't have much money to buy your wine well, with. Yeah, because what's the, um, what's the, um, I know there's a, a term for boxes of wine, like really cheap boxes of wine. <laughs> oh, goon bag. bag. Get a goon bag. <laughs> goon bags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I'm aware of that. I've never had one. Um, the thing is though, like, so it's really it's it's really funny with like Australian culture and stuff like that with with when it comes to like food and drink because you know it, it it's like if if Lewis had said instead of wine what about Australian beer then obviously Fosters mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> <And then obviously laughs> Shut up. Is, I know I know I know and, and as a kid growing up we had uh, Castle Main Forex hmm. as well right but so we call uh, Castle Main fuck over here. <laughs> The thing is, we know a bit like, you know, when we see English beer, you know, the majority of it is the cheap crap that we send outside of the country. Mm. You know, it's not the good stuff. Mm, mm. Um, Although I I think generally, I don't think, I think there was a rich history of British beer, but I think other than quite some, quite small breweries, I think British beer uh, or our or lager or whatever is pretty good nowadays anyway. So, you know, but you did, you did ask what I was drinking. Mm -hmm. So, Originally, I, I did have uh, a can of Schofferhofer because oh. it's only like 2.3% and very fruity. It's a very um, breakfast beer. My brother, <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking, breakfast beer, because, you know, obviously where I'm recording now, it's, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. Mm. Um, instead, unfortunately, I've just got this, which is uh, a can of, of Monster Energy Drink uh, in, a, in a tropical mango style thing because i thought that mm. will give me uh a kick now you two um, are, also uh, what's it was sorry nick i was just gonna say like i was like what, what's really funny as well is the fact that um i would have had like a coffee or something i got my timing completely wrong so i thought i was actually like scheduled an hour before i was <laughs> so um that, that that was my that wasn't any that was my fault that was because i can't count um, so yeah, I would have had a coffee, but instead I've got a monster energy drink, which is even worse. So, <laughs> cheers. Nice. Um, you guys are quite big fans of the flavored Red Bulls. Yeah, actually, Lewis introduced me to the the recent flavors, mm-hmm. the pomegranate and the watermelon, and I am obsessed with the watermelon one. I get it, and it's so bad really? because it's full of sugar. And I usually traditionally drink a sugar free Red Bull because mm. apparently that's healthier. Uh-huh. But 
I've been drinking a lot of these watermelon flavored ones now, which I just love. And they just go down so easy. It's so bad for you. I'm just, I've got to stop drinking oh. these. Yeah. You have to give that stuff up in your twenties. I, I know. I mean, it was so funny because I was just thinking when we we're talking about the goon bag, how it's like every tradition at a 30th birthday to hang a goon bag from a clothing line and to spin it around, and, you know, it just drink has it. to be done. So, Hey, you know, maybe that'll happen and that'll just phase out my, my 20s <laughs> bye, 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 bye bye red bull and goon bye, bags, red bull and goon bags. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to enter the the last year of my my 30s so um maybe i can you know get get an import version over or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so joining the fun seems, so seems fun. appropriate <laughs> have you got a um a hills hoist clothesline though <laughs> oh what oh we, um that is a spinning yeah, around I could, one yeah i could oh no Unfortunately, not. We've got the old traditional. I could buy one. Pull out line thing. I mean, you know, it'll be worth worth it for the laugh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it would be worth you know, it. Just, just to buy it for that. Um, as I as I'm recording this, uh, it's it's Father's Day morning in in the UK, oh. and again because I got my my timings wrong, um, I I then got an extra hour to spend uh, with my daughter who was watching brand new episodes of Bluey. This is all relevant because obviously Bluey is. <laughs> You know the official mascot of Australia now. Um, <laughs> yeah, they changed the coat of arms. I would like. Yeah, <laughs> they should do. He's a national treasure. Um, but um, you, I, I mean, Australia needs to sort themselves out because <laughs> we watched five episodes of Bluey and cried during two of them and almost cried during a third. Oh gosh! Like it, this is this is not what kids TV should be. It shouldn't be kids TV should not be as well written. Um, or as heart-wrenching as Bluey is. It's ridiculous. This is a cartoon aimed at, like, I don't know, two to five-year-olds or something, mm. and we're all watching it, my wife and my daughter, and getting emotional with it. It's ridiculous. This should not be allowed, and Australia <laughs> need to really sort themselves out, basically. Uh, noted, I'll have a word with the Prime Minister. He'll sort it out for you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I know you've got a new one now, so hopefully. Yes. And, you know, if I get hungry, I found this yesterday... I've got uh, a mint cookie fudge Kit Kat, yum. Um, which I don't know. Um, it, it's an Australian import. That's all I know okay. um, because we don't get such exotic flavors in this country. Oh, but, you, you uh, just yeah. get the plain Kit Kats over there. Um, we get we get plain Kit Kats, orange Kit Kats, <laughs> and dark chocolate Kit Kats. And do you guys get Kit Kat Chunkies? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in that version, we get cookie dough and peanut butter uh, and popcorn now. Oh, yeah. Weirdly. Uh, That'd be yeah. good. That sounds cool. But, uh, yeah. But, but kind of like traditional, like four finger Kit Kats. Yeah. They're very, they're very kind of like low on the uh, mm. variety front. You know. We shall bear this in mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For the next care package edition. <laughs> Just be warned when you come. When you come back to the UK, you know, mate, if you want to have some flavoured Kit Kats, bring them with you because we're not very good at it. <laughs> yeah, we'll um, we'll have to have some in the in the old backpacks, like we travel with backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I think maybe wheelie maybe, luggage all the way. Maybe we should uh, to kick into the, uh, the the point of uh, what we're doing today. Uh, with there's uh, a point. There is a point. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Tangent City. My name is Lewis. Sitting across from me is my wife Catherine, and sitting next to me is uh, my co-host from Unscripted the Film Show, Cecilia. And sitting. How many thousands of miles away is it? Like three thousand miles away. Lots, lots, lots and lots. And Sitting lots. on the other side of the world. Yeah, other side of the world. Uh, at, it's it's now uh, four uh, something four twenty eight here in WA. Uh, sitting at nine twenty eight in the UK is uh, Nick from the After Dark Podcast Network, and specifically the uh, this Disney podcast. That this universal pod, sorry, that, that Disney podcast, that universal podcast, um, is real. <laughs> that Disneyland Paris podcast, uh, Alas, Branch and Ripley, uh, Walking Movies. Um, have I missed any? <laughs> have I missed any? Uh, probably another I think 40. any other ones that you've missed might be behind a paywall <laughs> yeah, right. uh, for good reason. Yeah. Um, so that, that's about it. Um, Look, this is incredible because I, I mean, obviously, Lewis and Kat, I met you through doing a Disney podcast, mm-hmm. but through Unscripted, the film show, and through Tangent City, I've met, you know, your, your co-host. Of course, we are missing Rachel, but, um, Cecilia, so I've been listening to you guys for years and I can't remember, you must have told me you was doing a new podcast or something and it was called Tangent City. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll give that a listen at some point. Um, and I mean, I when a new episode drops, it's like right. That is the next thing I'm listening to. I'm going <laughs> to finish what I'm listening to now, but <laughs> that is the next thing I listen to. Like I get so excited, and what I love is that it might say, like you did one a few like weeks ago about Nick Cage, right? So the, the episode title might be Nick Cage. So I know that's kind of like the end goal. Of the <laughs> that's it's what the journey I'm leading for. up to it. <laughs> yeah, and that's that. That's it. I I just love the the way it's structured. Like I I think it's beautiful. Yeah, we so, put a lot of time um, into writing those episodes. Oh my god, it's so much time and effort. How many pages of scripts? Uh, <laughs> look, some of them go at least 60, 70 pages, mm. and um, and we have to pare them back a bit. It's really awkward. We have these creative yeah. conflicts all the time. Oh, my God, we're always fighting. <laughs> 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 oh, um, yeah, no, funnily enough, um, you're nearly 15,000 kilometres away. 15,000 yeah. kilometres. Oh. Yeah, wow. as, as the crow flies, because I'm sure there's a crow that's willing to fly that far. <laughs> no, the crow gets halfway there and goes, fuck this, I'm knackered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it, I, I can't imagine how disappointed the crow would be when it landed. <laughs> it's like, I, I flew this this distance for this? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, probably either way. <laughs> I'm sure British crows would be suitably, suitably disappointed here. <laughs> and there's massive spiders. <laughs> oh, God. I can just imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah, but blew on tap. So, yeah. you know. True. Well, the crows, crows you've got in the UK, uh, they, they don't sound too bad. But if you come over here to Australia, the crows, what we've got is crows, but they're actually ravens. And they sound like, uh, that, that, that. <laughs> they don't quite sound like that. But if you are bored one day, I would recommend looking up a video of a, of a West Australian crow because they're hilarious. <laughs> but they're actually quite comical. Oh, they do I- have a good sense of humour. They tell jokes, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> 
You, you... So, uh, I walked into a pub the other day. <laughs> I saw one hanging upside down from a power line once. I thought, oh, no, he's obviously got zapped by the other wire and he's dead, but he's stuck there. I was just like, oh, I might have to call Western Power and get them to take it down. And so I was like looking at it and then just pissed myself laughing because as his friend flew by, he just dropped from the wire and like totally bombarded his little friend as he flew past. He's just hanging out, waiting. Surprise, trust fall. <laughs> yes, totally. I would, to be honest, like I would have expected if, if he had been on a power line and got fried, he'd turn into like one of those like cooked chickens that you'd always see. <laughs> <laughs> That's what generally would happen, wouldn't it? You know, something something like that happened. It yeah. wouldn't like die. It would just turn into a piece of meat. So. Oh, 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 the feathers just blow off, and they just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there is oh, that yeah. thing because, yeah. like, generally yeah. speaking, if you touch something electric, like your yeah, muscles activate. So mm. I kind of thought, mm. oh, like his foot stuck there. Oh, oh yeah, and he can't like. Yeah, oh, can't let go. But he oh, wasn't. He was, he was just, just mucking around. around but, it, it, but it is uh, possible for that to happen because I have seen that before. Uh, and I, I took a photograph of it because I was like, my God, look at that. That's ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Mm. And that guy did not fall on his friend because he was dead. Dead. <laughs> <Right. laughs> oh, dear. Now, we, we mentioned before, you, well, you mentioned before, I think it was before we started recording, about uh, big spiders the size of your hands here in Australia. And we have very big uh, insects here. Mm. But we don't have insects as big as in a film that we've all recently seen, which was Jurassic World Dominion, where the uh, there were some big-ass uh, uh, locusts in this film. That's true. And they were also fried at some at one point too. That is, is very true. Yes, yes. Full, now, full of protein, I hear. <laughs> now, all, all four of us have seen uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Um, and uh, we're, this is going to be our spoiler cast. So if you haven't seen it... Ah, oh, where's the spoiler bell? Uh, it's, it's this is o- why we need Rachel. <laughs> Kat's going to go get the spoiler bell. But oh, if you... Yeah. We do. Otherwise, if we let one tradition fall, it'll all fall. Yep. Oh, <laughs> it'll, no, it'll all go to shit. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> all right, Kat's almost here, here with the spoiler bell. So, I've got to say, bell. though, Luce, before we hit the spoiler bell, that was such a good segue. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was an incredible segue. <laughs> I know it's like the guy who it's like the guy who invented it, like you're reversing off a cliff. Um, ah. Okay, so yeah, so you can hit the spoiler bill now. There we go. Okay, so, <laughs> so spoilers for Jurassic World Dominion from here on in. Uh, so this, I'm, I've been looking forward to this because uh, I've spoken about this on Unscripted, and Cecilia spoke about it this week, um, and and Nick saw uh the, the film as well and uh, has spoken about it on some of his podcasts um and i'm just interested to see how uh you know the different uh, ways that we uh we approach this uh this this film now where, where did you uh end up seeing it nick um i i just re- ended up seeing it in a regular screening uh unfortunately like i i almost stumped up the extra money to see it in imax and when i say imax it's one of those Limax screens really so it's it's bigger mm-hmm. and the sounds better and everything like that but it's not a i don't consider it to be the full effect imax that you you often uh get in in some cinemas um but so no, no, I Dolby, just saw it in no, regular, no dolby uh, atmos is that the the thing that they do you then? know what yeah it's really weird um i've been to a dolby atmos cinema i actually i actually went to dolby's hq to go to their 
uh, their Dolby screening room, nice. which is set up uh, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos. Mm. Um, but there's not many uh, in England. It's not really a format that's kind of taken off. We get 4DX quite a lot of places. Um, and uh, uh, what's the other one? IMAX 4DX. Oh, Screen X. Have you heard of Screen X? Isn't Screen X the one we get at... There is a, I'm pretty sure there is a Screen X in Perth. Is that the one where you got the, the extra stuff on the side? Yeah. 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 Oh. It just seems completely pointless to me. So I've never watched a film in that way. Because they, they, they don't film things in 180 degrees, do they? So no. I don't really understand the point of it. Um, but uh, yeah, 4DX seems to be the big kind of premium format in this country, followed by IMAX, I'd say. Because we, if here in and Perth... And D-Box, someplace. Oh, you got D-Box. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, so we've just got D-Box. Yeah. We don't have 4DX, <laughs> but you can get that in... These coast, you can, the yeah. East Coast, which is... But uh, we don't have IMAX anymore, so all of our IMAX cinemas are gone here in Perth. Uh, and, yeah, we've just got, like, standard cinemas where the screens are quite wide, but uh, they're not, like, tall or anything like that. Mm. And then we've got D- one D-Box cinema, and that's it. Mm. So the... It's- the VMAX and stuff like that, that's not IMAX? No, no it's, VMAX is just the wider screen. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, so we, we saw it on um, – we went to – Kat and I saw it at Car- – no, Whitford's. Yeah, we saw it at uh, Whitford's on one of their newer screens, been there for a couple of years. Uh, where, where did you see it, Cecilia? I seen it at Ace Cinemas in Midland. Oh, so, okay. yeah, quite a, one of the, that, that really big cinema mm-hmm. where it's you go up the stairs to get to the back and then you look down and there's all the seats at the front as well. So it was a huge screening. It was literally wow. like the only issue I had with my screening are lots and lots of kids. Wow. So, and, and that's okay. It's just kids get really excited. They talk lots. Um, ask lots of questions. Ask lots of questions. Uh. There was such excitement with the um, with the dinosaurs, obviously. <laughs> so, I mean, look, it's fine. But um, And I had a lot of people who were just getting up to go to the bar bathroom all the time because there's so many people in that screening and it's like wow guys hold your bladder or go before or wait i don't know just sit down <laughs> anyway i don't know if you guys had that it's, issue <laughs> no we didn't it's quite a long film though it is true it's to quite be a long fair. film isn't yeah. it yeah yeah i should be nice shouldn't i <laughs> <laughs> no oh no no like i i'm i'm very much you know i understand where you're coming from um weirdly i went to see dots of strange opening night um and I saw that in, in an IMAX screen, and there were kids there, and the kids did not utter a peep. Oh wow! The entire really? way through the film, I think they were so, I think they were so kind of immersed in it um, that yeah, it was, or, or maybe I was just so immersed in it, I drowned out all the mm. other sound from the audience. But uh, yeah, it's but it, but it, I have also been to screenings where you know kids, I went to Spider Verse, and kids were running up and down the aisles, mm. and it's yep. just like. Just, just sit down. Yeah, this just, is not. Just tell your kids to sit down. It's, this is a good film. Yeah. Mm. It's a good film. Like, just make them watch it. But, yeah, that's very, very true. Uh, the, the Jurassic World Dominion um, is the, the third part of the uh, the Jurassic World uh, saga, but it is a sixth part of uh, the Jurassic Park kind of. Film over, I guess. Um, where, where uh, in this this film? Yeah, look at you with your fancy words. I know. Yeah, in this. I, know. In I was this... like, that wasn't scripted at all. Where did that, <laughs> where, where did that one come from? That was adlib. Well, we told you, no it's a script. <laughs> No one has no no one has ever described the Jurassic saga or whatever as an oeuvre. It's got to be a first thing for every everything. So, uh, but th- I'm I'm a massive fan of 
the Jurassic Park films, like just going back to um, the, the the first film, uh, Jurassic Park, with the like, you know, it was the first time we were really seeing like uh, computer generated graphics that were realistic mm. um, in a cinema, and it's just uh, it was just uh, phenomenal. Um, of course, the the sequels in the original Jurassic Park were a bit uh, were a bit shit. Really, <laughs> they were they were you know they, they often I think I put that on the DVD. Yeah, <laughs> just a bit <laughs> shit. Yeah, they uh, they offered so much and 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 they gave so little. But uh, there was that big gap between the original Jurassic Park and then the Jurassic World saga. And uh, I, I just uh, I was a big fan when Jurassic World came back. Like you know the. The thing I loved about Jurassic World, that first, the first movie was, it was a fully fledged theme park. Mm. It was operational. There were people there. It kind of raised the stakes of, you know, if shit hits a fan, uh, how are they going to deal with this? And, uh, I, I absolutely love the, the, the first, uh, Jurassic World film. Um, the second one, I enjoyed it, but not as much as the first one. I wondered where they were kind of going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the end of the second one offered us the, uh, the, the enticing, uh, idea of the dinosaurs in the real world and how people are going to interact with the dinosaurs. That to me was like the, the real, like tantalizing thing about, uh, uh, Fallen Kingdom. Uh, and then we, we got, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, which to me, it kind of partially delivered on what was promised. But, uh, yeah, there were a few, a few things that were a bit lacking in the film. Just a few? Uh, well, I, I could have done with more dinosaurs in the real world. Like, yeah. there, there were uh, hints of it, but you didn't get to see, like, a, a, a massive amount of, you know, how they're, they're actually integrating into society. Just integrating into society. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they've got their papers and everything. I'm just like yeah. imagining them you know at what? cafes, like ordering coffee and like <laughs> <laughs> just sitting. <laughs> um, Can I please like have a blood latte? Uh, <laughs> Extra Sorry, sir, we only... We only ra- um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say like the uh, the talking velociraptor from Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. When he's, uh, he daydreams the velociraptor sitting on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to say. To be honest, when I saw... Um, Fallen Kingdom, and it's really weird because each time I've rewatched these films, I've enjoyed them a little bit less. Fallen Kingdom was the worst in that regard because I was seeing it the day it opened and thinking, "Oh, okay, this isn't too bad." And I went to see it again a few days later. And I was like, "What was I thinking? This film's actually pretty awful." <laughs> but what you touched on there, Lewis, was the the real interesting part, which was at the end of that film, you know, you did see these dinosaurs amongst you know the the world that we know mm. uh you know t-rex is screaming at lions oh like i love that, that scene and, <laughs> right and you think okay this sets up a good third film and i think when i saw that i was thinking to myself of um the recent planet of the apes trilogy mm-hmm. that we got and that first film i don't is everyone familiar with those films yep yeah yep. So the first film is very much the kind of start of that story, the start of apes becoming uh, a bit more dominant. And by the end of that film, that's how that ends. You know, the the apes kind of running off and you're thinking, okay, where is it going to go? And then the second film is like a time leap, jumps forward a few years where society and civilization has changed and they are now part of the everyday world and they're becoming more dominant. Um, And then the third film kind of ups that again. And I feel that with this, they played it t- far too safe. 
you know, the first 10, 15 minutes or so, you've got a little bit of what was going on in, in the real world with dinosaurs. But then it kind of slipped very quickly into familiar territory. Mm. And I felt they played it far too safe in that regard. I wanted to see more of T-Rex's, uh, you know, roaring at, at lions and less about pesticides, pesticides and labs. Yeah. You know? I think they were trying to like hit a message about genetic modification and that kind of thing. But I think that they could have done with something a little bit more dramatic than a brontosaur um, at a logging facility. Like they could have just done a little bit better than what they did mm. in terms of just showing the effect of having dinosaurs in the real world. And yeah. let's, let's face it, if you're going to have a brontosaurus at a construction site, you really want to have a whistleblowing of Fred Flintstone like sliding down its yeah. neck. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah I really it's, picked that. It should have been a quarry. It's a, it's a lost opportunity. <laughs> it's a lost opportunity. <laughs> I didn't even thought about it. Um, speaking of lost opportunities, the cast as well. Like, I think that where they've really missed it with this whole trilogy is they've just stuck with that freaking classic thing of Hollywood having a guy and a girl and they're white. <laughs> and it's just like you could have moved away from that and actually gone a little bit more diverse than just having some a smattering of colour in the background. To be to be fair though, uh, in this uh, in this film, uh, you had uh, you know, Chris Pratt and you had Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, if this was a normal Hollywood film, uh, in the first film you would have Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. In the second film you would have Chris Pratt and a slightly younger actress. And in the third <laughs> film you'd have Chris Pratt and another actress slightly. <laughs> younger again so it was it was like the fact that they actually kept the same people together and they they kind of formed a relationship over three films that's kind of unique to hollywood so you know well done them <laughs> although at also, the same time- also as well she's a redhead so you know that is a, a kind of marginalized representation in hollywood yeah true true yeah, yeah but generally speaking film. you know i mean she's a redhead who comes from a very privileged family so um <laughs> Let's let's face there it. That. There's um, probably not a lot of marginalisation happening in that household. Um, I did hear someone I in the cinema. Sorry. No, no, sorry. I was just going to say I do think the when when Jurassic World came out, Chris Pratt had just come out of Guardians of the Galaxy, and the world had fallen in love with Chris Pratt. So at the time, it seemed like really good casting. I think as time has gone on, and he seems to be in everything. And he also doesn't seem to have any real range. I think that's really kind of come back to haunt them. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, you're probably right. Like coming off the back of Guardians, it probably was a good, a good choice, but it was also a good choice for that particular script because there was a lot more comedy. Like he, he, there was a lot more for him to play with. Mm. But as time's gone on, I mean, I think I was commenting to you, Nick, that he's just become like the, the super serious dad in this particular instalment. Yeah, he's yeah. not he's not uh, not cracking wise uh, as much as you want. But then again, in this uh, instalment of the Jurassic film, you are bringing back um, uh, you know Jeff Goldblum, and they did like turn him up to twelve. So you know you get a lot of comic relief just from having him in there. Uh, but again, uh, with this uh, this episode, you get the crossover between the uh, original Jurassic Park cast of Laura Dern, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum, and the new uh, Chris Pratt. Bryce Dallas Howard cast. Um, 
and again, uh, it's really great though that they they brought back uh, you know not just Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum, but you know they brought back Laura Dern as well. So uh, you know, unlike uh, you know Maverick, where they completely uh, ignored the, uh, the 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 female um, lead in uh, in the original Maverick, mm. in this case at least like, like they brought back Laura Dern and gave us some you know decent stuff to do. Um, but the uh, you had a bit of a take on the the, the the meeting between the old and the new, didn't you, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> I may have described it as as like that scene in Shaun of the Dead where they run into their doppelgangers. I uh, <laughs> I love that scene because that's kind of what, you know like Chris Pratt uh, interacted with Sam Neill and obviously Bryce Dallas Howard inter- uh, interacts with uh, with Lord Ern. Um Yeah, he, he did have that feeling. The, so I think I, as and and Cecilia, um don't don't obviously reveal. Uh, your age i would never ask women their age um but you know what were your what were your kind of like memories of when jurassic park do you remember seeing it at the cinema did you see it a little bit later at home yeah no i have really fond memories of of jurassic park and and watching them in the cinemas and even playing the the video games that you got where the dinosaurs fight against each other because they were quite popular as well so yeah really fond memories and um you know there's that whole thing about laura dern's age and uh, compared to sam neill and and that's being brought back up at the moment but Mm. i mean i don't know how i feel about that but i I quite enjoyed the um, Jurassic Park alumni coming back for this film. And, you know, it, it sucks that their storyline with the locusts was a little bit crap. Um, I think it was one way of getting them into the story. It could have been improved. But, you know, for me, I enjoyed their story because of the characters more than I did Chris Pratt and um, Bryce Dallas Howard's story in this film, just because I really enjoy the the connection Mm. that um, Sam Neill and Laura Dern have. And I think Jeff Goldblum provides that comic relief. So I think, you know, for me, that's probably what I enjoyed most uh, about this film, despite the really weird um, crop uh, side story Mm. going on uh, (laughs) there. Because, yeah, as you're saying, the the thing is – Go, go ahead, Nick. <laughs> it's like the lady thing from being so far across the Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I asked about your kind of like memories of like the film or or, or things like that is because I was interested um, in in how we all kind of viewed that original cast mm. um, and and you know obviously if you remember those films you want to see them you know it's good to have that throwback right it's good to uh, kind of like seal the story up and have these people in it so. I think we were all generally excited when they said they were bringing the old gang back together to introduce them into this world. Um, I just think it was, it was poorly done. Mm. And, you know, as you say, they got sent on this whole different side story about locusts and, and, and crops when, why didn't, you know, why didn't they just turn around to them? Um, you know, like Chris Pratt, Pratt Bryce says, how, why they, why they characters not just like say, Hey, these guys have got experience with this. You know, they were there when this all kind of kicked off. You know, maybe they can give us some insight. There were so many ways they could have done it, creating a whole different side story which had nothing to do with the previous two films. Really, just seemed mm. a bit weird. And also the fact that that then meant that because there was no, uh, no, no relationship, no stakes between the two different kind of casts. When you do bring them together. It's just, we're going to put them together. There was no kind of, you know, storyline leading up to them, you know, needing each other or helping each other out. 
it just turned out in the end they were both there at the same time they need to get out <laughs> and it just didn't really i think there's so many ways they could have probably done it and that's what i found so disappointing is that's the choice they they made that's the route they went down and it was probably the worst one yeah, I, I think it's going to be the crickets of doom. That, <laughs> yeah. just, I just, I don't get it on so many levels. I, I, I get that they probably wanted to go more with the genetic modification, but I think they could have come up with something a little bit better than giant crickets. And I think that they could have even played the crickets better than they did. Because what the freck was with setting them on fire and having them flying around like – some sort of like human torch versions of crickets. Yeah, that that was weird. That was so weird. <laughs> Fucked up, man. Like <laughs> seriously. Do you know what's worse well, than swarming we, crickets? Die. What, yeah. Because what was his what was his game plan there? Because it was like, okay, so we set the crickets on fire to destroy the evidence. That I get. But why release them? Why wouldn't you just like you know have them burn up in in the thing and then it's all good? Instead, they had them like you know set them free and they start like you know setting everything on fire. Uh, I mean, obviously, it raises the stakes a little bit because they've got to put all the dinosaurs into the, the one area. They could have set the fire any other way, though. Mm. Like, you could literally just go out and set the fire. <laughs> like, yeah. you could have just gone out there. Was it? <laughs> Get tired yeah. firing rag to, like, you know, the back of a raptor's tail or something <laughs> like that and have it just run through the premises. Like, what? That would have been so creative. I would have liked that. That would have been good. Right. Yeah. But I would have liked to have seen that side story more dinosaur orientated. I mean, yeah. you've got all these cool dinosaurs to play with. Let's have something there, not crickets. <laughs> what, what, what? If you've got a brontosaurus walking through a crop field, that will kill the crop, surely. Like surely. Them walking on the crop. Yeah. <laughs> so why do we then go, you know what this film needs? Something else. Mm. You know, you don't. If I went to see Planet of the Apes and there was a load of dinosaurs in it, I'd think that's a bit odd. I was here to see apes. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was this huge emphasis on. And the thing is, this has come out of nowhere. So this was the culmination of essentially six films, not necessarily all tied together, but with the same kind of characters and stuff like that. So in the last film, you decide to focus on locusts, which have never been discussed in any of the previous films. You know, it just did not make any sense. When you've got so many other things that you've done in these previous films, you could have... I'm not saying that a story about, you know, the the Earth being deprived of crops and how that affects the food chain, that element works, but you've got dinosaurs that could have just done that. Why did you need to invent Jurassic locusts? Yeah, it's weird. I got, I kind of get that they wanted to do something a little bit dire and they probably didn't want to go down a viral kind of mm, th- um, thread because mm. of, you know, current, you know, people go to the movies to forget about current circumstances, not to have to endure them in a different context. But it's just, uh, there sh- must have been a better script somewhere. Mm. But that's interesting because that's kind of the B story to to Jurassic uh, World Dominion because the, the uh, A story is um, – Isabel uh, is a man <laughs> making a promise to a dinosaur. Well, I mean, there was two two levels to that because you had you had Blue Sorry. who managed to procreate without having a partner, and uh, mm. apparently that's a big thing that uh, that the dinosaur was able yeah, to. Sorry, this is based on a factual thing, I believe. That is it, iguanas or something like that can do that. 
Like there's some sort there of there has to be some uh, science to it because you could, yeah it has to be something. There was a throwaway line. Mm. There was a throwaway line where they were like this particular creature mm. can can basically spontaneously uh, you know, procreate. Create it. Mm. So yeah, yeah so uh, B uh, BD Wong, who I believe has been throughout all the Jurassic films, uh, and he has has become like a kind of villain in the in the piece, uh, playing Doctor Henry Wu. Um, he is a guy that creates the the locusts, but he's trying to destroy them as well because he realizes he's really fucked up, and <laughs> so his um he wants to get uh both Blue's baby and uh, Maisie Lockwood, who was the clone that was introduced in Fallen Kingdom, because he believes that their DNA can unlock the the information he needs to be able to uh, take out this locust population and do something else as well. But I can't remember exactly what that was. Um, but he is, uh, he's basically working for uh, Scott, he's working for Lewis uh, Dodgson, um, who is this uh, rich, like uh, a billionaire uh, inventor. I love of, the way you say his name. You've got a real issue with that. I haven't you? I really don't has think, an issue with it. I just don't think Lewis's should be the bad guy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, the yeah. So he uh, is. I think they they based him on like uh, I don't know if it's a Steve Jobs character. Someone was saying the head of Microsoft at the moment is very much like this guy. Um, but yeah. So so Tim Cook. Isn't oh, it? Tim Cook. Tim mm. Cook is. Yeah, a bit like that as well. Yeah, but I, I, I've seen a lot of people say Elon Musk, and I don't know enough about Elon Musk to know if that's, uh, that's the guy. But wasn't it? Wasn't it? Um, the character was in the first Jurassic Park, and he's the one that gives the canister to uh, Dennis Nedry. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a complete different actor, but so he's. So it makes sense that you know someone who's a kind of villain at the beginning is is brought back. I, I kind of, yeah, I get that. Mm, mm. But it's uh, so you've got those two stories that are happening concurrently, uh, and it's so the uh, the motivation of um, of Bryce Dallas Howard's character and of Chris Pratt is to get their their daughter back because they've kind of like you know they saved her in the second mm. film and then that she became their adopted daughter, um, and uh, but it's I, I thought that it was action-packed enough like there was enough of those actiony scenes like the um the scenes i don't know where in europe it was was it italy or someplace like that oh my goodness how many times do i have to tell so, you it was the dolomites dolomites <laughs> yeah that was the the city oh the city yeah no uh, that was in malta malta, malta. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay right in, in malta yeah, yeah. Where, where they had like the raptor chase and stuff like that because that was playing off the previous film where they'd weaponized the the raptors oh yeah so that was that was kind of cool bringing that that back in. Although, um, but they were they raptors and that. Oh, well, I thought they were a different kind of dinosaur. They they might have been. I just, I'm I'm not a dinosaur oh, the, um, person, so I don't really the pointer laser ones. Yeah, so. I yeah, I can't. I don't. I can't recall. I don't remember them tapping their middle finger, and that's oh. usually what they focus yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> so creepy. Uh, but the. <laughs> Yeah, they, we also got introduced to uh, uh, Dewanda Wise's uh, Kayla Watts, who played the pilot. Uh, so it was kind of cool to bring in like an actiony hero uh, female character as well. Um, and uh, and she was, I thought she was pretty kick ass. I look forward to seeing her. I'm sure she'll be in more action films because mm. she seemed very, very cool. Um, the- but isn't, isn't that the problem, though? Again, you're bringing in 
and I agree. I think I think the character was great. I like the actress as well. Mm. But you've announced this as being the end of this saga. Yeah. Now we all know that in Hollywood that doesn't like really amount to much. You know, mm. we thought there was not going to be another Jurassic Park film, and then you know, twelve years later we get Jurassic World. But if you're ending the saga, bringing in kind of like quite key characters or certainly characters that could lead a franchise it seems a bit odd well i mean you could have someone like kayla watts doing like a more of a i don't know like an indiana jones style you you could focus on her trade career that'd be kind of cool just get away from the dinosaurs completely and you could still work with that character going forward but you're right what a freaking waste Mm. Like, bring her in at the last yeah. minute. It, I mean, that feels like tokenism. And another character that was like, yeah. uh, it was cool to see her, but it was uh, it was just like very, very small part she played uh, was uh, Ditchin Lashman, uh, who played Sonia Santo, who was the uh, Asian-looking um, uh, girl who, so Asian-looking lady who um, was uh, the, the one that was basically the, uh, weapons yeah. uh, trader person. So she she was in Dollhouse. She was in Do I Doll remember House. her from that? She's she Australian, was, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think yeah. she was born somewhere like Nepal Probably. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But she was in Dollhouse. She was also in Agents of Shield. Um, she's been in other other things as well where she's turned up. But she's a Neighbours. She, she was in Neighbours? No. She's been in Neighbours. Yeah. Of course you'd know that. Yeah. Bloody Brit. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think she was in Neighbours. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure she was. Um, yeah, she was. I'm where pretty sure that's she where she started. From? Where was she supposed to be from, though? Because in Neighbours. Like, I thought she kind Ramsey of sounded Street. English, but she... <laughs> I, meant, I meant the accent in Jurassic World Dominion, yeah. because... Like I couldn't work out where she was supposed to be from. It was a very weird. It was kind of like a British accent, but one of those really over the top. Um, this is how someone's taught me to be British style accent. Maybe it was like a Hong European, Kong kind of British style European. accent. You know how you, but like sometimes okay. they like you know how like there's that generic American accent. Mm. Like that pretty much to me is the generic British kind of accent. Yeah. Like I know it's a bit over the top and it yeah. probably, you know, shits you guys up the wall, but yeah, it's like the generic Australian exactly. accent. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were watching a show the other day, uh, which is uh, casual. And one of the characters in there was Australian and he just had like this one line and it was like the most Australian thing you'd ever, ever heard. Like uh, it would have only been more Australian if he'd said Dunny or Thunderbox. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear, that's so funny. I cannot see na- – oh, Neighbours, yep, sorry. Yep, she played Katia Kinski in Neighbours. Katia Kinski. It's hmm. a fancy name. It is. It's a fancy name. I, I heard that they're bringing uh, – I don't know if they've filmed the last episode of Neighbours yet, but I heard that they were like uh, Jason Donovan and Kylie were coming back to do the last episode, which that, that would be <laughs> cool if that Thanks, happens. Thanks, now I've got a DAS song in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> – but it's so weird though that they we had like Neighbours has been going on for so long, and you say to any Australian, "Oh my God, they've cancelled Neighbours." They went, "It's still going." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah oh, in in the in the UK, at one point, it was like one of the most watched TV shows. Mm. I think mm. when um when Scott and Charlene got married, uh, and I was I was still quite young when this happened, but I, I remember it. But I think there was like twenty million people tuned in, which was like. <laughs> Even like the 
the biggest or second biggest TV audience that year. That's insane. I have a feeling it was in the 80s because I think I was still in New Zealand at that point. It was, yeah. 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 Probably at the time as well, uh, there was probably only about 20 million people in Australia. So the population of Australia didn't watch that that, uh, Scott and Charlene thing, but obviously uh, uh, the the comparable amount of English people did. So that's nice. But isn't that the reason that it's shutting down is because the Brits – don't want to buy it anymore? Pretty much, yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think the same thing's happening to Home and Away as well. Um, <laughs> Thank oh. goodness. I mean, Pippa died years ago, right? <laughs> I feel bad for Milko. I, I mean... <laughs> we were talking about Milko the other day. Lewis, I'm surprised, Lewis, that you're you're not more upset about Neighbours uh, cancelling. I mean, this not only had Toadfish as a wrestler, but also Dave Bautista at one point. What? Dave Bautista was in Neighbours? Really? Oh, yeah. That yeah. changes my whole outlook on Neighbours. <laughs> we have to go back and find those <laughs> I episodes. need to find the David Taste episodes. Uh, there, there was a storyline. So my parents, I, I, I've watched Neighbours for a very small amount of time. Like, actually watched it, watched it. My parents used to be obsessed with it. And so I'd have to, like, catch bits and pieces here and there when I was kind of, like, you know, walking through the house or whatever. And there was a storyline that ran at least for about a month of uh, Toadfish becoming a wrestler <laughs> called the Lawman. <laughs> and that ended up becoming... Uh, that, 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 that's how they got Batista in as, like, to get like, as a cameo. Oh, I wonder whether say, like, that was during that period like. that the WWE started coming out and doing tours in Australia. Oh, oh probably yeah. was. So that was I like early was. 2000s? Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it probably would have been around that time. Yeah. yeah. Early yeah. to mid two thousands because I think they did the first couple. They only did Sydney and Melbourne, and then they did that one that they came over to Perth. Mm, mm. It's and those chair pads have still come in handy. Oh, yep, <laughs> they're, they're very good. Those are very, very, very good. Oh, have you seen um, uh, uh, David Arquette can't be killed? The documentary. Oh no! I have, I have seen it actually, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was trying to get my, I was trying to get my wife to watch it because. Um, she, I mean, she doesn't watch wrestling. She doesn't tolerate wrestling with me. She yeah. understands that I watch it and everything like that. Um, she really liked the film The Wrestler, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she had a bit of a thing for Mickey Rourke for a while. <laughs> Don't. Um, That's a really and, odd so, guy to have a thing for. Oh, uh, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Although this is also, you know, my wife, when we first got together, had a uh, a huge obsession with, with John Travolta, so... Oh. You know. That's, <laughs> that's not the response you want when you say that, but oh. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean... Each to their own, you know, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I've, lost, I've lost a tangent. Oh, no. <laughs> We've gone from... We've gone from talking about dinosaurs and ridiculous-sized locusts to toadfish <laughs> becoming a wrestler. It's, uh, that, that's, that is what Tangent City is about. It's in, the in beauty of Tangent City. <laughs> I have to say, though, that yeah. David Arquette thing, the only reason that we watched that is oh, I yes. went out for dinner with a friend of mine and um, we were talking just – well, we just talk shit the whole time, but um, she was saying that she was watching this – wrestling thing i'm like going you're watching a wrestling thing she's like no it's right it's, it's david arquette and she she said it was david duchovny I was like, <laughs> oh yeah 
And then I was just like, I know this doesn't sound right, but I think I know about this. And I'm just like, oh, it's David Arquette. Right. Okay. But her partner came in like about five minutes in and was just like going, I'm not going to watch that. And then she's like, stood there watching it. And then she's like, all right, I'm sitting down the couch and watching it. <laughs> I, I was just one thing. That's a good documentary. Yeah. yeah. One thing that blew. Yeah, to to, to cause you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that blew me away the most in this, this, uh, documentary, uh, it got to the end of the documentary and it, uh, then I saw, uh, Jungle Boy, who's a current, uh, all elite wrestling wrestler. And he, he came out and then, uh, they, they showed, um, Luke Perry who had died and they, I realized that Jungle Boy is Luke Perry's son. I was like, now I know why he's so familiar looking. It was just like, <laughs> it just blew me away. I was literally blown away last night. But I already knew that. I don't it's, know why I would have known that. Yeah, it's weird. They, when, when AEW first started and Jungle Boy was one of the early wrestlers they had, they did mention it. I mean, it, it got pretty annoying. Not that, but in the fact that his name is Jungle Boy, but Jim Ross is one of the commentators would only ever refer to him as Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Oh, right. So, like, talk up the family connection mm. because in J, like Jr. I think as someone who's been in the wrestling business for decades, was like, that's where the money is. That's what you should be talking about, not the fact that. This is a wrestler who pretends he's a caveman who's got a dinosaur as a tag team partner. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So they used to talk about it quite a lot, but it kind of it's, it's fizzled out over time, and they mention it in passing every now and again. But uh, yeah, it's a great documentary though. Like you know, if you like wrestling, it's great. If you like David Arquette, it's great. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the crossover is there between you know those on on both sides, um, but. Yeah, any any and you guys, you know, obviously for unscripted the film show, you guys watch uh, a load of documentaries mm -hmm. that come out for mm. for cinema release, and you know when you're doing that, you are going to be going to see documentaries about subjects you don't know mm -hmm. or you don't care about. But the sign of a good documentary is one that when you leave from seeing it, you go, "Wow, I learned something. I'm now interested in something. I now want to find out more about something." Um, and so yeah, I think I think. Uh, it was definitely an eye-opening documentary about um, the other side of wrestling that you don't really see too much about. Mm. You know, these these death matches and small, tiny, you know, fa literally like backyard, wrestling in front of like fifty people in a garden. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, getting hit with glass tubes and you know, other things like just 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 madness. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, it's 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 definitely worth a watch. Definitely recommend that one. I, I really enjoy it, and I'm I'm glad you explained the the Jungle Boy Jack Perry thing because I have heard Jr. refer to him as Jungle Boy Jack, but I've never heard oh. the last bit. Yeah, and I was like, that's weird because he's everyone else calls him just Jungle Boy, and he calls him Jungle Boy Jack. What's going on there? So it's yeah, uh, old yeah, men. They get something in their heads they can't get. Like, yeah. they just can't let go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of not letting go, mm. uh, I mean, I think that's what Colin Trevorrow did with this franchise. <laughs> yeah. What I think's really another thing that I think's really interesting about this this whole kind of trilogy of films, like he directed one, he directed three, he didn't direct two, mm. he didn't direct two because he should have been directing the third or, or episode nine of Star Wars, mm. and then he didn't, hmm. and. I think he released a, a film called, I think it was called The Book of Henry. That rings and a bell. once that film came out, all of a sudden he wasn't directing Star Wars anymore. Uh. Now, The Book of Henry was only supposed to be like a kind of small budget film anyway, but 
it really bombed, like really bombed. Critically, commercially, it bombed. And all of a sudden, he was out. And I think it's interesting because I'd never heard of him. I know he'd made some films before Jurassic World, but Jurassic World was the first kind of big franchise tentpole film that he'd been put in charge of. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, and Lewis said about it earlier, about how much he enjoyed that film. I think it's Jurassic World isn't a, a bad film. I don't think it's also as great as it wants to be, purely because, and I said this when I was talking about it elsewhere, it kind of, when you when you look back at it, it's almost like The Force Awakens, in that it's the, the best bits of the films that you like. So taking all the good bits of Jurassic Park, and tiny bits, you could argue, from you know two and three, um, and put it all into one film... They, you know, the big change, as Lewis said, was this was now a functioning theme park. There were guests, there was more peril. That was a great choice to mm. do. But all the kind of set pieces felt very, very familiar. Mm. And that's because you stick to a formula that works. I love The Force Awakens, but as time's gone on, I've watched it more and more. It's like, oh, that's that bit kind of redone from A New Hope. And yeah, there's a bit like that from Return of the Jedi. You know, there are bits and things that are said that you've seen in other films that you also really like so they've kind of just like remixed this these films for a new audience and i felt that was very much what i did with jurassic world mm. by the time i got to this one i don't really think they knew what they were doing which is weird because although he didn't direct the second one he wrote the, the second film oh, as okay. well or he was involved in the uh, creative side of it and Correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, so uh, Maisie Lockwood, that's that's the, the child, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're introduced to her in Fallen Kingdom, and it's basically put out there that um, they use the same technology to bring back the dinosaurs as they did to bring back this person who had died in a, a car crash. Or I can't even remember how she died, but whatever. Yeah. So that that's how this girl was about. But then, in this film, they're like, oh no, she actually gave birth to her. Yeah, so they... So she wasn't really a clone as such, in a way that any other child would kind of be a clone of you. It's got your DNA. Yeah, so if you really want to go down a bit of a deep dive, um, look up Parthenogenesis, which is just an absolutely amazing thing that apparently there's 50 species of lizard and mm. one snake that can do that. The fact that a snake can reproduce on its own is just freaking horrific. <laughs> but I think that they could have actually focused on this a lot more, drop the locusts, and they could have actually had this as like, you know, we can't stop these dinosaurs from breeding. They're breeding on their own. They've got this capacity because I feel like they just kind of glossed over it. And I think that it's a really, really interesting subject. And it's something that's very real because, you know, there's species that can actually do it that are still alive today. But instead they kind of just go, oh, yeah, she just like spontaneously gave birth to this this kid and it's just like hang on a second so did she alter her dna so that she was able to do it or did she uh, like how did she do this it because it's something that humans aren't capable of doing Mm. in their natural state but the fact that um you had blue that was doing the same thing you could have introduce that that could have been the thing that took out the world's food sources easily so interesting though because if you reflect on this film right 
Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, it's all about dinosaurs. That's mm. that's what it's all about. Mm. Really, this film didn't have that much to do with dinosaurs when you really think about it. Where are those? You don't really need to think about it. I mean, you don't, but like, you know, you go and you see it and there's a few action scenes and a few dinosaurs, but yeah, it then begins to focus on that um, genetic stuff and, and the, the locusts and it's like, where are the dinosaurs? This is what we want to see, guys. You know, this is the action, this is the fun and that's the joy of Jurassic World, Jurassic Park. That's what you want to see. So, yeah, I felt like they really kind of, yeah, they didn't pull it together very well. It wasn't executed at all very well. I think there was a lot of ideas there, but it just didn't work, really. I think on face value, though, it did work. Mm. I did walk out of the movie Same. feeling wholly satisfied. I was just Same. like, well, they've, they've done this. This is good. Yeah. But it was when you start thinking about it and – I enjoy movies that you start thinking about and just go, oh, that was so clever and, oh, look at what they did there. But this was just like, oh, they kind of like, what was that about? Mm. And because you're so busy in the moment of watching, you know, these you know, big Action. screen with shiny mm. shit going on. <laughs> shiny. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And you, you kind of get lost in that. And then the afterthoughts of Jurassic World were unfortunately mm. a little bit more negative. Yeah. True, because yeah, I left too. I was like, "This is fun. That was action packed." You know, it's um, you know, don't be too harsh on it. It's a movie about dinosaurs. You know, you can't be too critical of that. Mm. But yeah, when you start to think about it, you go, "Oh, okay, they didn't quite um hit the nail on the head." But the but- the, the criticisms weren't your classic things from the first ones, where it's just like <laughs> those dinosaurs didn't have buttholes. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was just <laughs> obvious stuff. Mm. Did they not? Did you did you keep an eye out? I'm reliably informed by Craig, who is my butthole expert, that he did not notice any. So I'm going to take his word for that. Yeah. But that, that to me, is exactly the problem. And I knew I knew Lewis and Kat had seen Jurassic World a few days before I had done. So I had, as I sometimes do, I will ask, you know, did you enjoy the film? They never go into spoilers. They never go into the whys and wheres or anything like that. Just a general, like, yeah, I did. Mm. No, I didn't. Whatever. So I knew how they felt kind of going into it. And I was like, okay, that's good. That's, that's given me a bit of a, a buzz. And then when I talked about it afterwards, I thought, and this is where me and Lewis disagreed, because I think Lewis was, was content, at, at least content with the amount of dinosaurs. Whilst for me, in this particular film, dinosaurs should have been the focus. Mm-hmm. You've set up in Fallen Kingdom, as I said earlier, you know, the dinosaurs are now running wild, to quote uh, Weirdo Yankovic. And you want to see more of that. Yeah. You want to see how the world is adapted to dinosaurs. We see one scene in a, in a, the, the logging yard or something when the brontosaurus is, is there and kind of people reacting to something they've already seen because these dinosaurs have been running wild for a few years now. Mm. Um, and in other than that, and the chase sequence in Malta on the X, which was essentially the same chasing sequence we've seen before, but on the streets rather than in a jungle. Mm. Um, and then the finale, you know, you had all these massive gaps in between when all you're getting is people talking, boring, uh, or Jeff Goldblum talking, excellent, nonsical, <laughs> uh, but excellent. Um, but where's my dinosaurs, boys? And it'd be, you know, like how sometimes people watch uh, an Oscar winning performance and then they'll work out how much time they're actually in the film. And sometimes it's like less than 10 minutes they're actually yeah. in the film. <laughs> Because their role is, is like in little chunks, yeah. you feel like they're there the whole time and they're actually not. Yeah. I would be interested to see how much time 
we get with dinosaurs. And I would guess of a two over two and a half hour film, it's probably about twenty minutes mm. that we get of like actual dinosaur action. Do you? Know, I and had the that, same thought. I, I could be wrong. <laughs> No, I think you know, it, it I, might be more than that. I don't know, but it'd be really interesting to do because um, we had a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was in a meeting, and we were talking about um, men and women having equal time to speak in a particular forum. And um, apparently, a test had been done, and the women actually spoke more, so we had to drop that. But <laughs> but it was um, it was there's a timer that you can do, so a timer um, where it's like kind of like your um, uh, your timer that people use for playing chess, where you're clocking on and clocking off. So it'd be interesting to do, do that, that with yeah. the dinosaurs. Um, I think I might be doing that when it comes out on Blu-ray, <laughs> or like, maybe I'll just like slip into a cinema with like a little timer. <laughs> But you got to admit, though, that there were some ace scenes in there. So mm. that one where they were on the ice and they had that dinosaur that was there and then the dinosaur falls in the water and they're just like, sweet, let's get out of here. And then the dinosaur can swim. Like, that was pretty good. I did enjoy. That, that, that would be the, the pyroraptor. Aye. The what now? The pyroraptor. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, are you our resident Everybody dinosaur expert? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a uh, resident dinosaur expert. Uh, I, or are you just looking them up on your friends. iPad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, I actually uh, I listened to a, a, a podcast uh, called Talk is Jericho. And on uh, the podcast he put out on the 8th of June, uh, Jurassic World and the newest dinosaurs in the Dominion, uh, he speaks with the paleontologist Steve Brusset, uh, who was a consultant on uh, Dominion. And they talk about the, the new dinosaurs and the fact that the uh, Pyroraptor uh, is a dinosaur with feathers. And they didn't know that dinosaurs had feathers when the first Jurassic Park film came out in 1993. Uh. So it's like, you know, since then they've gone, like you know, some dinosaurs have feathers and have actually incorporated that into the movie, which I think is mm. is kind of cool. So I really wish the camera was more around on Lewis because his eyes were just like <laughs> <laughs> dinosaurs. What annoys me about that though, I tell you what annoys me about that though, mm. is they talk about you hear people talk about Jurassic Park and, and other dino-based media, and they'll say, "Oh, well, actually, you know, the T-Rex was a you know a much bigger animal than this, or you know, the Velociraptor actually had three heads, or whatever you might say." <laughs> and it's like, where's the photographic proof? Mm. Like we are basing this on things that we've found and we have constructed art together. Yeah, I've gone to the British Museum. And the Natural History Museum with my daughter. My daughter loves going to museums and stuff like that. I'm not don't I'm not cultured. Do not do not get that twisted. Um, but you go to these places and you see where they've got a collection of bones, and you see where they've like said, you know, this is a Trinosaurus or, or whatever it is that they've got the bones of, and they've put it all together. And you're like, well, that's how you've pieced it together. This isn't a jigsaw. No, it's very likely that, you know, that is the shape of it. Mm. But we don't know for sure. And even if that's the shape of it, how do we know that it's not a big floppy head? Or or you've missed out, you know, an extra leg or something because you haven't found it or it wasn't there at the time. We are making all this stuff up. No, you're right. Because, like, if you got a camel skeleton, would you guess that it had a hump? Ooh. Right. There you go. Maybe yeah. all dinosaurs have I mean, humps. I, d- I don't know. Hmm. Could have. Yeah. Maybe that's what <laughs> Fergie was trying to tell us all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that poor T-Rex has already got short arms. Let alone a little... 
a little hump as well. Yeah. <laughs> right, and they, hang on. So that's right. T Rex have got little arms. What if they didn't? Yeah. What if they just didn't find the missing arm bone? <laughs> we just missing an arm bone. Give a little clap or something. <laughs> and actually, the, these wacky arms that could do like wavy arms, like <laughs> yeah. one of those inflatable people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it. This is why I think like. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the risk, I think the risk uh, of like dinosaurs, like you know, taking over the world, is worth it if we can find out once and for all just what they freaking look like. So we've we've obviously got their DNA. So let's just start the the process now. Let's start recreating dinosaurs so we can have a look and and see uh, exactly what they they look like. Um, but there there were a lot of new dinosaurs I had in the new film. There was uh, the Gigantosaurus. That was the one that was kind of the uh, crocodile-looking one. We like to call this section. Lewis did some research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the one I like the the one I like the what most. Is that? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> the one I like the most is Dreadnoughtus, and and Dreadnoughtus actually looks a lot like the Loch Ness monster. Yeah, they're you know those I? like slow moving. Yeah. they look quite peaceful. So, isn't the Dreadnought like a sh- vessel from something? Yeah, dreadnought's a vessel. Yeah, I've the dreadnought. Yeah, I've heard that term before. It's like it's like in yeah. something in pop culture. Hmm. Oh, now yeah, I'm going to go, look I'll, it I'll, up. I'll look that up. Don't worry. Yeah, and thanks. Those, uh, and those uh, what the raptors that were in the um uh the, the scene through the city were uh, uh a atroso raptors. <laughs> so they were raptors, just just a different kind of raptor. So <laughs> you're like you're. You did your research, but you didn't work on your pronunciation. No, nope, not at all. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Therinos, Therinosaurus, um, he was the blind. So they 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 were the blind one with the Freddy Krueger f- fingertips. Mm. Um, and uh, apparently, that dinosaur originally would have been a carnivore, mm. and then. For some reason, he just went, fuck that, berries are where it's at, and became a herbivore. But he still retained some of those carnivore type of uh, attributes, like the big, the big claws and stuff. Um, Did you think of, um, what was the movie that we saw recently? Um, No, absolutely (laughs) everything. Oh, all at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) With the hot dog fingers. Yeah, Yeah. I thought about the hot dog fingers when the, the, that one came out, because it was kind of like, even though they were like, you know, obviously not hot dog fingers because yeah. they were a bit deadly, but was, I couldn't help but think. I did, I did love when the T Rex was just like, uh, you know, picks up the uh, Gigantosaurus uh, and just like throws him at the other guy and like skewers him with his fingers. It was like that. That's perfect. That was really cool. And the uh, cat pointed out as well. There's a big circular sculpture in mm. that scene, and the T Rex walks past the sculpture. Yes. Yeah, I loved that. That was so was cool. Was it the T-Rex or was it the other one? Pretty sure it was the T-Rex. Oh, okay. Because the T-Rex is the guy. He's 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 been in all the films. Yeah, he's either been the bad guy or he's been the guy that's going to like, you know, take out the bad guy and then possibly kill you as well. Uh, so, no, he's he's great. They, you've got to love the T-Rex. Or she. I think they're all, are they all female so dinosaurs? kind of, uh, yes, all the dinosaurs are, are female yeah. because of, going back to the first film, I'm sure it was, that was the, what they mixed the DNA with was like a female frog or something. Mm. It was the only way they could do it. Mm. So, and and that was supposed to be why they wouldn't be able to reproduce because uh, they were they were female. And there was no males, so so therefore dinosaurs couldn't create uh, other dinosaurs. Again, so this whole retcons. like you know 
been able to procreate on your own, that would have been the perfect thing to go down. So, like, oh, oops, we fucked up, and these guys yeah. can procreate it's on their own. Lines. Yeah. It's all throwaway lines, and that's the problem. You know, the same with the Maisie situation. They just go, oh, yeah, no, we can explain that because um, this is actually what happened and not what we said before. Forget that. Move on to some locusts or something. It's oh, it, it's messy. You're, you are right, though, Kat. There are some sequences in these films that are quite good. The problem is, is that most of the ones with Chris Pratt, and I, and I, look, I appreciate we are talking about a film series where dinosaurs are, have been brought back to life. <laughs> yeah, and, I know, that's you have to keep reminding like yourself. So, yeah, to, I, I need to, I do, I do understand that. But in the second film, there's that ridiculous sequence where a volcano erupts. Chris Pratt has been paralyzed with some drug and he is kind of like, he reminded me of those, do you remember those wall walking toys? Those like men that had suction pads on their arms and feet and would like tumble down a door. Yep. <laughs> Chris Pratt does that for five minutes while there's an, a volcano with lava running down, uh, so going after him. And he somehow manages to sort that out. Like it was so like ludicrous in, in how it was. And I, again, I appreciate how stupid these films are, but it really hurt me. And in this film, the bit with the ice, I felt a bit like that. Like every time there was a bit of, you know, anywhere near death peril when you thought, well, he's clearly not going to get himself out of that. He suddenly did. Like it just feels, it almost feels lazy that it doesn't matter what they throw there. There is no element of danger because they're not going to kill these characters off. And no matter how much they make it look like that's what they're going to do. Mm. You know, they're not. They know they're not. And so, therefore, you're just like, well, how are they going to get themselves out of the situation? And most of the time, it's by the skin of their teeth, and it doesn't look real because of it. And also, as well, when you've done that, so I think in that sequence, they kind of jump across the bridge. You've just gone across a whole lake. Yep. You've had a real hard time doing it. Instead of, like, sitting on a bridge, kind of going, oh, my God, you know, just we've just done that. You are running as if you're, like, Usain Bolt trying to win a gold medal at the Olympics. <laughs> Where's where's this stamina come from? Like, is everybody superhuman? Mm. And I know we're talking Hollywood films, but come on, just 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 some elements of realism, just little drops of realism would be nice every once in a while, rather than this kind of crazy situation we're watching. That's right. Considering just, how cold it was, there was not a nipple in sight. Oh my goodness, <laughs> you were nipples in the cold. I honestly. agree See? though, because we spoke about the film prior to me seeing it. Yeah. And that's all I could think about going into this film was nipples. <laughs> <laughs> so you were on the lookout I'm there. literally on the lookout for nipples. And I was like, Lewis was right. There was nothing. And also, no, there was no like frost in the mm. air, you know, yeah. when they spoke as well. There was none of that. Like, that might have been the altitude, though. Oh, that's true. <laughs> sorry. I'm, so, I'm getting as bad as that. I'm sorry. But I mean, they didn't even look cold. Yeah. They didn't yeah. look was, cold. He was there in a t shirt, for God's sakes. It was like, he could have at least gone, it's a bit. It's a bit cold, really. It just sounds like, just like, oh, I wish I had a jacket. It's so just, there's the, the that was the thing that, that pulled me out was the fact that, like, they should have been freezing. Like, they should just be, like, literally freezing to death. And they're just nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to go down a bit of a tangent, which um, movie was Colin Trevorrow supposed to direct in the Star Wars franchise? Uh, Last Nine. Jedi. Okay, so you know that that's where I've heard the term dreadnought before because that was the um, – the spaceship 
the First Order spaceship. It was oh, called yeah. the Dreadnought. Oh. But it was also a ship in World War One. Mm. But I, I wonder whether he chose to have those dinosaurs in there as like a little yeah. bit of a... I was supposed to direct Star Wars, yeah. but I've got my own dreadnoughts. Ooh. <laughs> Dreadnoughtosauruses. Yeah. No, what are they called? Dreadnoughtus. 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 I like Dreadnoughtosaurs. Yeah. But the I thing was- is, I think, I think with this film, possibly, you know, we are, we are all grown-ups talking about this film. And when Jurassic Park came out, I was 10. Like, I remember going to see this film when I was 10. Yeah. Like, it was an amazing summer. Uh, some good, some not so good films. But I remember going to see it with my parents, and my parents hating it because, no way. well, this man made Jaws, and he made Close Encounters, and this is what he's making nowadays? Like, you know, there's no story. You know, it's just dinosaurs running around uh, a park. Uh, I mean, not literally a park, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but they really, they, they just didn't, get it or they didn't enjoy it now for me i'm seeing dinosaurs rampaging through a, a cinema screen mm. you know it was a big deal we'd never seen anything like it really we'd never seen dinosaurs represented in this way mm. um and so i wonder if not that we're looking at it from the from the, the different view because i think even now people look back at jurassic park and see what a technical marvel it was and, and how well it was created and everything like that but i wonder if the aim really is at kids and bringing back those characters from previous films was kind of like uh ah that'll keep the parents happy while they take the kids to go and see this film but i don't i honestly don't know many adults that i've spoken to that have seen this film that have said oh yeah it lives up to the standard of you know the originals or even earlier films in the jurassic world series mm. everyone seems to be quite disappointed by it and i wonder if that's because they've almost dumbed it down too much because they're hoping it just sells toys to kids i I, you know i don't know no i think it's a it's a valid point that you know maybe we're overlooking where they were targeting the audience Mm. but was it beck who said that there was like some really small kids in her screening Mm. and that was just like oh that's a bit weird because there's some really tense moments but maybe kids overlook that it's like when you have like something that's like a little bit of a cheeky adult joke in a kid's mm. animated movie. It's just like all the adults get it, but mm. maybe the kids don't feel the tension like we do. Would you take your kids uh, to see uh, Dominion? Um, I wouldn't, but that's because um, I respect them. <laughs> um, I don't want to. I mean, look, I'm talking about I'm talking about a, a child who. Um, you know, still thinks the Playmobil movie was was good. Um, <laughs> and honestly, it's not. And do not. Just because Anna Taylor-Joy is in it, don't read that as a sign of anything. It's not a sign of quality. No. Um, but no, joking aside, like she um, she started to enjoy those, more of those kind of films. So like we took her to see Doctor Strange and I mm-hmm. thought that was a film... I told you guys when I was taken, I was like, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't think this is a good idea. And she loved it. Um, wow. So I don't know. There, um, there are, there are definitely things in, uh, I'd say this film more than even the previous Jurassic World films where, um, there were like intended to be jump scares. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, you know, things popping out of the darkness at you and mm. stuff like that. And I thought that was great. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I didn't walk out of it thinking, Oh, this is a film that I would take my, you know, any kids to see uh, of any age. Like, 
you know, sometimes you, you see a film and think, oh, yeah, that's probably appropriate for any kind of kid. Mm. I actually think this was more on the kind of scary side of, of you know, that kind of filmmaking. You know, not too scary that Cat wouldn't be able to see it. Um, <laughs> not scary enough that kids couldn't go and see it. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I, it didn't, it, and it still doesn't scream to me that this is a kid's film. No. But I wonder if the criticisms that I've got with it and about how dumbed down it is is maybe that was what they were trying to do. I, I, I think that's the other problem as well. It just doesn't. I can't seem to find where it fits in, hmm. and that that is a problem. Um, the fact that it is doing so well is also baffling to me. Like we people are love nostalgia. Us. Yeah, I know, but w- uh, which is surprising because I mean, it, Top Gun seems to have a weird mix of nostalgia, and that's been a huge hit, mm-hmm. um, regardless. But you know, as we recall this episode, and obviously because of the time difference, we're all out of kind of whack with like Hollywood. Mm. Um, but as we recall this, it's the Sunday. Uh, box office results normally come out like late Sunday evening in mm. America. The early estimates is that Lightyear is going to finish second to Jurassic World Dominion's second weekend in America. Mm. And that is what is surprising to me that. It's, it's held up so much or maybe Lightyear hasn't done as well but I also think again going back to what the target audience is both of those films are pro- probably really aimed at the same demographic yeah. it's aimed at adults who enjoy Toy Story films yeah. and it's aimed at kids that have seen the Toy Story films and want to see a new story and that's probably the same with Jurassic World Dominion so maybe it's because the films are chasing the same uh, audience um, but as, and I think you might have mentioned this on um, Diz Down Under last week, um, you know, looking at the split between like what Rotten Tomatoes critics mm. were saying and what the audience was saying, and that is often a factor, right? Mm-hmm. You know, quite often a film that isn't popular with critics is more popular with an audience. Sometimes it's vice versa. Um, you know, it can work in, in a lot of different ways. But, you know, there are people that will go and see this film and will think our complaints about the film are invalid and will disagree with things that we've said. And I guess that is the beauty of opinions and, you know, watching films, they affect people in different ways. There will be people that watch the episodes of Bluey today. I was going to say that wouldn't have got emotional. They would have, they would have cried. They were emotional. <laughs> I, to watch this I know. I've not uh, seen any Bluey inside. before. I'm like, oh, I should get on this. Is it like an investment kind of tearing up or is it like, so do we have to watch the whole, s- <laughs> the whole, Oh, yeah, do we have to like commit ourselves to an entire series? No. The be- the other good thing about Blurry is they're five minute episodes ish, and each one is a contained story. There might be callbacks to other things, but they're very it's aimed at, it's aimed at small kids. <laughs> There's no long term storytelling in it. <laughs> maybe, yeah, this would be maybe, perfect. Maybe the writers of Blurry. Maybe the writers of Blurry should have been making the Jurassic World <laughs> franchise. It might have made more sense. Um but no, I I just think sometimes with films they do struggle to connect, and I think the, the maybe the biggest misseller of this film is the fact that we are bringing the band back together. Mm. Are you sick of Chris Pratt? Are you sick of Chris Pratt? Don't worry, Jeff Goldblum's going to have a bigger role. Sam Neill's coming back, even though he's almost the same age that um, Sir David Attenborough was. Uh, or Richard Attenborough, sorry. <laughs> David Attenborough would have been a very different film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Richard Attenborough was in the first Jurassic Park film. You know, they, they, I think there were about 10 years difference between them. 
which right. is quite crazy. I, I hadn't um, thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, Sam Neill is like 72, 74, something like that. Oh, like okay. he's much, he's older than I remembered him being as well, mm. to be fair. But they, they did that thing, didn't they? We're bringing back the original cast. So immediately you, you brought me back. You made me buy another cinema ticket because I want to see this original cast that I love so much in that first Jurassic Park film. Then you've got this new cast, which, and you didn't mention him, Lewis, but one of the worst things for me in Fallen Kingdom was Justice Smith. Is that his name? Um, but the kind of like nerdy kid that they threw into the second, uh, into Fallen Kingdom, um, who just screamed a lot and didn't do very much. <laughs> He's got a much smaller role in this film, uh, thankfully. Um, but oh, yeah, Frank, yeah, just, just uh, the yeah. Car, like, Frank Webb, Franklin Webb. The new cast, Franklin Webb, there yeah. you go. The, the new cast, I just don't think worked very well. I think the first film, everyone was pretty good. Like, you know, you're getting to know these characters, you're, you know, they're brand new characters. Like you said, they kind of had Chris Pratt do a bit of his funny shtick, uh, you know, doing this to dinosaurs was very cool like sticking your hand out and that means that they won't attack you great um you're learning all this stuff and it's all fine three films down the line when there has been really no character development i i appreciate that they're now kind of like looking after a child so they've kind of mm. become a bit more parental about things but there is absolutely no development in the characters other than saying that's the plot device you are now a parent that is it. There is no development of their relationship. Mm. You know, it's it's kind of been the same the whole way through. That kind of they kind of are together, but they're yeah. you know it's not always kind of certain. It's very very tiny, and really with films, you want relationships. You want to you know follow a character on a journey. You want to follow like a a much bigger story, and really you're just drip fed little things. And so I think the whole idea of bringing these characters back from the films that you loved as a child or you know, maybe just from watching them the first time, they were thrown in there to keep people happy. Yeah. I don't think mm. there was much consideration as to why they're there. Mm. It's like watching a Marvel film. It's, it's like if um, Iron Man turned up in Ms. Marvel right now, mm. right, played by Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. There was absolutely no reason he would be in there. If you saw him, you'd be happy because you like the character of Iron Man. But he serves no purpose as a story that they're trying to tell. That's that's kind of what it felt like bringing these characters back, and that's why I think it's such a shame because they they're all good actors and they were all good characters that we cared about. But you didn't really give me a reason to care about them in this film with this story. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a fair point, and it's interesting because we went to a preview where um, we had um, what's his name? I can't remember his actual name, Aussie but guy. you've heard of Aussie Man reviews. I do know Aussie Man reviews. So yeah. he's from Perth, and so he came and um, introed the film, and he had actually done a pre-record with Sam Neill, and it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, but. Sam Neill himself, like, he's such an old soak now. Like, he was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does like a winery. Wait, now. Sam Neill was drunk? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, that's how it came across to me, is that he was a little bit drunk. 
<laughs> just, a just had a bit. cheeky wine or two. Well, you, you I think it, it was probably on to three or four. Three. But <laughs> if you own a winery, you got to get stuck in. You True. Know? Mm. You got to find out what's good. But I'd like, and he's like, so when he's been interviewed on other podcasts and stuff like that, it's just like that's interesting. So I was interested to see how he was going to show up in this movie, and I think he did show up, and there was no phoning it in from no. those old characters. No. They weren't just there to put an appearance in. They actually put in a good effort. And I think that's something that I'll always appreciate about this movie is that they, they showed up, they really did their job. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting <laughs> thing. So when I saw that preview bit, I'm just like going, Oh, this is going to be a bit, bit iffy. <laughs> that's one, funny. one of the things I found with, uh, with Dominion, uh, and the fact that like in the original films, you had those three that were the original cast. They all survived those three films. Yeah. And then, and I don't think they were all in all three of them, but they were, you know, they're all the first one anyway. Um, and then, uh, in this one, you've got, you know, Bryce Southhouse, Howard, Chris Pratt, you know, they've managed to survive through these three films mm-hmm. and the original cast survived through the Dominion as well. Mm. So they have done like a star wars thing where they killed someone off for mm. uh, like the emotional resonance <laughs> yeah. of it or anything like that but They're- they also chose not to bring back characters so there was the two kids from the original jurassic world i thought that they might have uh, sorry jurassic park i thought that they might have put an appearance into that this movie might have been really difficult because they were the grandkids of david attenborough's character weren't they <sighs> They I think were, so. but yes, I mean, Richard, Richard Attenborough. Did, did they really? Richard, is it Richard? Or, it's Richard. It's Richard. Richard. Yeah, it's Richard. 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 <laughs> it's a bit of a dick. David, think of David's it that way. That goes around. <laughs> David's the one that goes around talking about. That's how right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know him. Yeah, Richard. Not not the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, because the 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 actor who plays, uh, I think it's Tim. I'm mm. sure they, their names were Tim and Lexi. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the, it was the definitely Lexi. The little boy in Jurassic Park is now, you know, an established actor. Yeah, mm. you and know, he was recently in Bohemian Rhapsody, and um, she's been in some I stuff. Him. I mean, I don't think she's been in a lot of stuff, but it's mm. not like they're not in the acting world. Yeah, but, yeah. It just maybe they look too different now. I don't the know. question is, how do you bring them back? And, it, and it, they don't look like they did as a kid. You've got to like reintroduce them. Go. By the way, do you remember these? Were the yeah, let's flashback. Call them Tim and Lexi. <laughs> I mean, people are going to remember. People understand. Do you know? It, parts of this film that I really did enjoy though was when all the characters were together mm-hmm. and they were just running from dinosaurs, which is kind of the essence of the story. Yeah. And I think I enjoyed those parts more. And I would have liked to have seen that because they don't come together until the very end. And it's like that's where the fun begins, mm-hmm. really. When they're together and they're running away from that dinosaur and they're climbing up that thing, I think that's the element that made it so wholly and satisfying that. in that first. I liked watch. that, and yeah. I just would have liked to have seen more of that. And I think they could have pulled that off oh. without that side locust story. And yeah, call them in as experts if you want, and and have it that way. But yeah, and they so- didn't have to have it isolated up in the no. mountains like they did either. No, so if they'd actually anywhere. gone down the route of them like the dinosaurs breeding too much, mm. then they could have done it out in the real world. We should have just wrote this script, mm. yes. obviously. <laughs> I agree. 
Why do they not come to us? Well, before we wrap up, uh, let's let's also. Why do they not come to us? Because obviously we're not professionals. Yeah. Um, before before we wrap up, let's let's talk about like uh, which dinosaur is the biggest bastard. Uh, like I've always I've got uh, my dinosaurs, which they turn up in every Jurassic Park film, and they're always little pricks. Oh, see, I quite like their involvement. Are you talking about the Spitty dinosaurs? The Spitty guys. The oh, spitty guys are great. Spitty guys. Oh, they they come they around. Did, they did such good work. <laughs> they come I was around. applauding them. Go. Spitty guys. They pretend to be nice to you. Like, I'm, look, I'm a cute little dinosaur. And all of a sudden, it's like, flip your thing out and spit it you. It's like, oh, you spitty little bastard. Is it going to freak you out if you ever come across a frilled neck lizard in the wild? Nah, not really. Oh, don't spit at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. No, I like the little mini dinosaurs we've got here in Australia. They're quite nice. <laughs> hmm. Don't have many dinosaurs. The only place that's uh, got dinosaur is New Zealand, so... <laughs> Which, Damn! Which dinosaur is it? The Tuatara. The Tuatara? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a dinosaur. Is it? Yeah. What does that look like? Oh my goodness, like a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> does it have feathers? No. No. Ah, well, cool. Um, does Donald Trump count? I think he's like <laughs> the worst dinosaur. <laughs> I can't wait for him well. to be extinct. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I don't like T-Rexes, just their arms weird me out. They're so small. It just really – I can't watch them. I just like, why have arms at all? I know. So like you can't pick your teeth. I quite liked the one that um, has the feathers and swims. I thought that was really cool. No, that would be the pyroraptor, yeah. yeah. yeah he like was good. <laughs> You're just giving him another one. Just say Go on then. <laughs> Again, I, th- I think that's another thing, like – um, that, going back to the additions of the cast, I think the new dinosaurs they brought into this film were good additions. Mm. But again, you you saw them for such fleeting moments mm. that yeah. it didn't really take time to to digest uh, just how much fun you could have had if they'd had more screen time. Mm. Um, yeah, it was like li- when you kind of get um, sliders or like canapes, ha. you get something really nice. Yeah. But it's tiny and it's gone. Yeah. yeah. You just want a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a, probably a good way to <laughs> explain most of the movie. It's just like, we, it, w- it was good. <laughs> I wasn't completely full after I, after I was, <laughs> finished the meal. So th- this has been touted as, as the final in the Jurassic saga. Do we believe this to be the case? No. How many years until we see dinosaurs again? Three to five. Three to five? Or I'm going to say maybe a bit longer. Ooh. Maybe eight. I don't think it's the end, though. Yeah. No. Or there'll be some kind of spin-off. I mean, there's, there's got to be more. I'm not yeah. looking forward to more. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think that's the thing, though. I think when you're talking sequels, an acceptable wait time for a sequel is two to four years. Mm. Anything longer than that's a bit much. When you end a series of films, you're probably looking eight to ten. Mm. Um, essentially jail time. Um, between because you've because you've got to give it time to rest Mm. and that's look you know if you if you think of it like that i think there was even longer than that between jurassic park 3 and uh jurassic world i think that was was that 2001 jurassic park 3 yeah i think so yeah that sounds right 2001 or 2003 no 2001 or 3 for some reason three's in my mind but yeah i'm not sure now (laughs) But, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, and Jurassic World came out in 2015, Mm -hmm. I want to say. 
So if we if if we take the two thousand three, that's twelve, mm. and if we did two thousand one, that's actually fourteen. Yeah. So that's that that's a big gap between, and that is when you can start afresh. Really, I think with a film series, I wouldn't want to see a brand new Pirates of the Caribbean series of films until like about eight years has passed. Yeah. And I think that's fine to do. I think if they started afresh now, it's probably still a bit too new with what they've got to make it really work as a brand new series. You're going to be looking back to go, well, where's Captain Jack Sparrow? That's what I'm used to. Mm. So you do need to give, give it time to rest. I, but where does, it, where does it go from here? That is the thing. I don't know, because they went from... Has anyone from read the book? No. Jurassic Park? Yeah. No. So, I I made the mistake of doing that <laughs> when I went to see Jurassic Park. Not not because the book's bad. If anything, it's, it's the opposite. It's because so much of the book is cut out because it's a lot more violent uh. than what we saw in any of the films. So, like, I... If I remember correctly, and I've not read this since I was 10, so I might it, it might miss it out a little bit, but the book opens up with a raptor ripping open someone's stomach and and, and disemboweling them. Uh, I think I've heard that, yeah. Because it's escaped, mm. yeah. It, you know, that happens quite early in the book, but as I said, it's been a long time since I read the book. Um, but, you know, when I was reading that as a 10-year-old, I'm going like, Jesus Christ, what am I reading? Because it wasn't aimed at me. It was, <laughs> it was in that old book. So... I think so. You could definitely go back to the original, and I think he wrote two books. I think it was just uh, that and the Lost okay. World he wrote before he died. Mm. Um, but you know, you but you could potentially remake those films more like the books. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, or the big thing now, series, right? Mm-hmm. You know, make a mm. Jurassic Park series based on the books. You know two seasons per book whatever because they're quite big books Mm. um and and make them more like what they were and develop those characters more um that could be a good way of of doing it but i i think it's going to be a long time before we see another uh jurassic film Mm. i think we'll just get spin-offs and cartoons and stuff before them yeah Yeah. no i agree i I think it's going to be a while but it's just it kind of feels like that they were kind of hinting at maybe they could keep going with this current Jurassic world. But the thing that, so we went from Jurassic Park. And so if you look at it, it's kind of like going to Disneyland Mm. versus going to Disney world, what they did with the first one. So where do you go from there? Like, how do you go bigger and better? Euro Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) They've already done that. They're in those Dolomites. (laughs) All right, we better wrap it up there because it is uh, Father's Day over in the yes. UK, and Nick has got to go and uh, uh, get uh, you know. I, I think uh, uh, dripped in praise by his uh, two young children. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> that's awesome. Just thought of my thinking cap. That's a, that's a dad joke. Yeah. Nice, very well done. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us, Nick. It was a, a pleasure to have you on to discuss dinosaurs, neighbours, uh, and also David Arquette. Uh, we will definitely have you back on again in in the future to discuss uh, more more things uh thank yeah, you tangent game wasn't too bad yeah, eh? yes, very well. yes yeah it did very well uh and uh, yeah thank you very much to cecilia for coming in as well so always, no always a pleasure only 15 minutes from where i live so it's no it's no problems and it's the same time zone so exactly. it's okay yeah. <laughs> as opposed to like yeah. what like 20 hours <laughs> yeah, even if he got the direct yeah, cat, <laughs> cat, cat and i here anyway so we we're all good so. yeah we're good and thank you robin for barking 
intermittently Aww. at Cecilia's car. That was good. <laughs> it's good to know that she's still here. You're being protecting. <laughs> the the love these dogs have for Cecilia is ridiculous. My babies. <laughs> My babies. Aww. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys whenever we get back to. Them. Oh my god, we've become like a last branch in Ripley. <laughs> whenever we get back yeah, to the at microphones. some point, we'll record something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and and do and do listen to uh, the podcast on the After Dark Podcast Network. Uh, this uh, Disney podcast, this Universal podcast, this uh, Disneyland Paris podcast, a last branch in Ripley, um, uh, walking movies, and any of the other ones I'm forgetting. I think I think uh, uh, also um, uh, oh Disney Dream Girls is on there as well. He's gonna start just <laughs> blathering. All right, time to go. Bye. 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 <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture. <laughs> <laughs>